What's up, everybody, and welcome into Bet to Win on a Thursday. I'm your host, Joe Fan. A huge show for you. Big weekend in sports ahead. We've got the final four Kansas, Nova, Duke, UNC. The four teams remaining in the big dance. Nick Costas of You Better, You Bet will help me preview the final four. And we've got two guests here in this show. Jerry Jordan of Kicking the Tires will come on to preview the Toyota Owners 400, talking a little NASCAR. A little NASCAR here on this versatile show that we call Bet to Win. Big sports weekend for your boy as well. Uh, starting on Friday, I've got a golf tournament. I don't play many golf tournaments. I'm not a good enough golfer to play in golf tournaments. But I did join a course when I moved out here. And said course is having their member member this weekend. So it's three days. And the first day is a scramble with my partner. The second day is a best ball where still not full pressure because you just hope that my partner can carry me, quite frankly. And then day three... Aggregate score, everything counts. If you shoot a 30 on a hole, you get a 30 on the scorecard. And there is no one, no lifelines, nothing there to help you. So I'm like, I got to start grinding. I got to, I want to, I don't care about winning. I just want to be respectable. So I go to the range on Wednesday evening and this fun development of the iron shanks started to take over. And so vibes are not high right now. Um, so we're going to hope that we can cash some bets this weekend and talk about sports and have fun in that capacity because I'm guess I'm guessing on Monday when we come in to recap the final four and preview the national championship game, I'm also going to have some pretty nightmarish stories about how this tournament goes. So I will appreciate any and all good vibes going into this weekend of my member member hoping for survival. That's really all we're looking for. Um, the good news is I have a victory lap to take because I took Fresno State minus six and a half against Southern Utah. On Monday evening, they won by 19. An easy winner. I've now won three winning picks in a row to get myself back to 500. This is the last show of March, so an opportunity to get into the black and go five and four in this month of March. Let's get to our headlines before we bring in Nick. couple in the NFL as the NFL owners' meetings are taking place down in Florida. The big one, Todd Bowles elevated the Bucks head coach after Bruce Arians stepped down to join their front office. This one, interesting... For a number of reasons. One, Tom Brady just announced he's coming back. Two, he's supposed to be at the owners' meetings. Um, he wasn't in the awkward uh, head coach photo that we see every single year. But now it comes out, and it comes out that, that Tom Brady didn't know about it, but there wasn't a take that Tom Brady was upset about it, which leads me to believe that Tom Brady wanted it. And I'm super down with going down that rabbit hole that, that Tom Brady sort of orchestrated this. I, I think... It wouldn't surprise me. And given the two years they spent together, obviously fruitful, they won a Super Bowl uh, and made the playoffs uh, another year where Tom Brady was arguably the MVP, finished as the runner up to Aaron Rodgers. But it, one, makes you appreciate that two decades, Bill Belichick and Tom Brady were able to last together. Um, and then, two, I think the difference between Bruce Arians and Bill Belichick is Bill Belichick's swag and mystique comes from like this silent dominance and he's this gruff and kind of seemingly angry guy. And all he does is win. And he's this defensive mastermind and you just don't bet against Bill Belichick. Bruce Arians swag comes. He's the guy in the Kangol hat. He's the guy who's, who says what's on his mind and shows up to his pressers and shoots from the hip. And anybody can get it from him and Tom Brady included. There were several press conferences where he was very critical of Tom Brady. And, and I, this might be much ado about nothing. 
this might just be Bruce Arians deciding, you know what? I'm done. I've, I've coached a long time uh, between college and professional level. I've won a Super Bowl. I went 31 and 18 these three years as a head coach. I've got nothing left to prove. But that's just so much less fun. And so I'm going to take the Brady and the Arians drama take that Tom Brady wanted this to happen. Those two sides could not work together again. And when Arian said it's either me or him and Tom Brady said, I'm willing to come back, but it's me or him, the Bucs wisely chose Brady. And good for Todd Bowles, who's been spectacular as their defensive coordinator. Another shot for him to be a head coach after his first try in New York with the Jets went south. I, th- I tend to think that's more um, an indicative of the Jets being just a terrible organization than it is Todd Bowles. He's deserving of this shot and I'm pumped for him. And I'm, again, really happy to go down this road of Tom Brady and Bruce Arians not liking each other. Uh, The other NFL uh, headline is that the overtime rules have changed only in the postseason. Starting next year in the 2022 season, in the playoffs, both teams will be guaranteed a possession. That obviously stemming from the all-time finish between the Bills and the Chiefs, where the Chiefs win the coin toss. They go down, score a touchdown immediately. Josh Allen never sees the field again. Um, And now that won't be the case anymore. Under the previous rule, 10 of the last overtime games in the postseason were won by the team that won the coin toss. So you hope that this rule remedies some of that. Sure, people will still complain regardless, but I do think this is a smart decision. That game was so epic and it felt so deflating. And just spare me, and this was the main, when I when I talked about this, when it went down, the people who I'm in my mentions who loved it as is, defense is part of the game too. You want a possession, get a stop defensively. And to that, I would say, sure, but shouldn't Kansas City's defense also have to play as well because they didn't step on the field in overtime? So I'm all for this. Um, will it be perfect? Probably not. But is it still an improvement in the postseason? Yes, I think that's great. And I also don't think it's weird that the rules are different in the playoffs compared to the regular season. We see that in sports all the time. We saw that during the entire regular season for baseball last year where uh, in extra innings, a runner started on second base. That's no longer a thing, obviously. but We got through it. And in the playoffs, it's different. We see it in hockey every single year where regular season games go to a shootout. That doesn't happen in the playoffs. So that's no big deal either. Um, I love that they did this. Uh, Good on the NFL for making this change. Uh, With that, let's bring in our first guest um, because I want to get to him. He's one of my favorite guys in the sports betting space. And I've been a fan of his when I was back a beat reporter with the Seahawks and the Niners before that. He is Nick Costos of You Better You Bet on odyssey.com weekdays. 3 to 7 p.m. Eastern. You can follow him on Twitter at the Costos. Nick, what's up, man? Thanks so much for your time. How are you? What's going on, man? Great to be on. Thank you very much for having me. So we're going to talk all things Final Four and National Championship and college hoops, but but I just got done kind of giving my take on the new NFL overtime rule. Now we know in the postseason, both teams will get a possession. Where are you at on this? Were you frustrated by the end of the, the Chiefs-Bills game in the AFC playoffs this last year? And are, do you think this is a good thing for the NFL? Um, honestly, like, this is probably not the answer you're looking for. Like, I don't care. Like, it doesn't matter to me at all. Like, uh, sure. Like I was, I guess, slightly frustrated. Um, I mean, I had the over in the game, which was great. I didn't bet on the, the, the side of the game. I may have been upset if I had a bills ticket or a bills futures ticket. Certainly, obviously. Um, yeah, it doesn't really move the needle for me at all. I think it's fine. I think more people will, people will still find a way to complain because the team that wins the coin toss is still ultimately going to have the advantage. Like they kick a field goal. Other team kicks a field goal, sudden death from there. team that won the coin toss gets the ball, obviously, with a chance to go win the game in sudden death at that point. So um, 
I feel like there's probably no perfect solution. Maybe perfect solution was just the way it was at the beginning. Uh, but ultimately, it moves the needle for me 0.0%. It's not something I get worked up about. Not saying that other people can't, just that I don't really care. I love that. You don't have to have a hot take about everything. I think that's something that's beautiful. There are things that you can genuinely say, sure, whatever. Don't care. The final yeah. four is something we both care deeply about, though, in this tournament. I'm curious, on the scale of 1 to 10, where would you rank this tournament? Have you been engaged? Have you had a lot of fun with it? Um, to me, I mean, you look at the lead eight, which was a, a snooze fest in my book, but it Brutal. sets up uh, a couple of really fun matchups in the final four. Where have you been at these last couple of weeks of this tournament? I think the tournament's probably been like a seven and a half out of 10, I would say. Like, it's been good. Like, we had a couple, like, really outstanding, like, games between, like, Titanic uh, schools and the programs which was really great, but I think we've obviously lacked in the drama. Like, no buzzer beaters, obviously. The Elite Eight round was a complete snooze. Like, it's never a good sign, and this is not meant to be a shot in Formula One, but the Formula One race last weekend was by far the most entertaining sporting events of the weekend. Like, much more entertaining than the Elite Eight. The Sweet 16 round was great on Thursday and Friday, and then we followed it up Saturday and Sunday with a couple snoozers. But, I mean, I'm always into the tournament. I've been watching the tournament obsessively, literally, since 1991. Coincidentally, the first year Coach K won the national championship, beating Roy Williams in Kansas in that final. So, yeah, I mean, I'm always super into it. I love it. But, uh, yeah, definitely has not been the best tournament in terms of quality of play or exciting finishes. Let's set the table with who's left. It's Kansas laying four and a half against Nova. That total is set at 133 and a half. And then Duke laying four against North Carolina. The first time these two teams have met with Coach K at the helm of Duke in the tournament. That total is set at 151. Let's start with Kansas and Nova. No Justin Moore in this one for Nova. Replacing 15 and five is hard to do with a team that already plays a short rotation. Uh, where are you at with this? You mentioned before we went live here that um, you have bets placed on each game. How do you see this one going? Well, I'm on the over, first off, which like 132 and a half, 133. Like, I, I love the over in this game. It's one of the lowest totaled games we've seen for Kansas this season. And like, I guess I understand kind of like the methodology behind it. Villanova plays really slow. They've had a lot of success in this particular tournament with all the eyeballs on it. Playing really slow, but looking at the level of, not the level of competition, but the way that some of these schools play, Houston's dying to play slow. Michigan and Ohio State have really good offenses, but are not necessarily like run and gun style clubs. And I think it kind of like played right into Nova's hands. I think Nova would have gotten bounced by Houston if the Cougs could have made any of their three-pointers, basically. But that's not what happened. And here we go with Nova in the Final Four. Kansas is like the diametric opposite of these schools. A, they've got the talent advantage on Nova. Not saying Nova can or won't win. But Kansas has the talent advantage. And Kansas is want to get want to want to get up and down and run and gun. So a bit of a styles clash here that I think Kansas can come out on top of. Maybe not in terms of covering the spread, and I can talk about that in a second, but in terms of forcing Villanova to play a little more open to try and stay in this game if Kansas builds and holds a lead. So I'll be on the over here. I think the number's a little too low. So over 132 and a half, 133 for me with Kansas and Nova. As far as the spread is concerned, it's never Kansas for me here. I would never bet Kansas at these numbers. Um, so my decision is, do I want to bet Villanova or not? And I think the interesting thing with the point spread being what it is, is trying to think about like, what would it be if Justin Moore were playing? Um, Ken Pomeroy, who's like the godfather of college basketball analytics, makes it Kansas by one if Justin Moore played. Like my co-host on You Better You Bet, who I think is a brilliant betting mind, who like has mathematical projections for all these games, I think made it in between one and a half and two for Kansas favorite if Justin Moore is going to play. So depending on how you slice it, we've got a two and a half, three point adjustment here for Justin Moore being out of the lineup. And my question would be, is that right? It's a guess, right? I think everyone's guessing like you can't know. 
Like maybe Jay Wright's got something cooked up that's really excellent, or maybe they can't replace him and they get absolutely dump trucked in the game. What I'm willing to wager on, if the number reaches a certain level on Saturday, right? And my anticipation is Kansas will take money on Saturday. I can't imagine like many casual bettors who will bet on Saturday being like, yeah, I can't wait to bet Nova in this game without this player I've heard about all week being out. So I'm guessing Kansas will take some money and the spread will get pushed up a little bit. The farther it kind of drifts away towards Kansas, the more confident I am in the guest potentially being wrong on the point spread here. So it's never Kansas. It's just a question of, am I going to play Villanova or not? I think like five and a half, like I'm in on Nova, maybe even five if I just want to have action on side in total. So Nova or nothing. Right now it's nothing. And I am on the over with Nova and Kansas. Yeah, if we're talking over, Kansas uh, is the 40th fastest tempo team in the country. They also rank 37th in offensive rebounding percentage. So a big edge there, which could help steal some possessions given that Nova is going to want to slow this thing, thing, thing down to a snail's pace. I just don't know where the offense comes from from Nova. That's what makes me nervous. But on the other side, we've seen in this tournament multiple times, Kansas is not a great free throw shooting team. And so when it comes to covering that number late in the game, it could be a sweat. It'll probably be a sweat either way. I do like Kansas to win. I like your your take of, of going over here. Um, let's talk about the Duke game, though. Again, the first time Coach K has faced North Carolina in the tournament as Duke's head coach. Duke is laying four. This one, for me, I'm having a hard time deciding how much I care about that game at Cameron Indoor uh, before the tournament started. Coach K's final game, people paid their entire mortgage, you know, their entire life savings to be in attendance for this game and saw Duke get run out of the gym these closing moments of that game where UNC won comfortably. North Carolina has continued to play well into the tournament. They've got two blowout wins. It should have been three had uh, Brady Manick not erroneously been ejected against Baylor. Um, where are you at with this one? Uh, love Duke. Love Duke. Uh, Duke minus four is a definite five-star certified banger, as the kids would say for yours truly here. Um, yeah, like I think like the game matters a little bit what happened in Cameron Indoor. But I'm willing to look at I'm more apt, I, I should say, to look at the closing spread and kind of use that as a way to handicap this game as opposed to like what actually happens on the court. Um, the comparison I'm about to draw here is not apples to apples, but I think there is like a fairly similar parallel um, with Duke, North Carolina here, and that's with Georgia and Alabama in the national championship game in college football. So Georgia and Bama play in the SEC championship game in December. Georgia closes a six and a half point favorite in the game. Bama kills them in the game, right? Bama wins easily, beats Cincinnati in the college football playoff uh, uh, in the semis to get to play Georgia again. In the rematch in the final, Georgia closes a two and a half point favorite. Now, this is not me victory lapping my Georgia bet. Georgia could have lost the game easily, right? But I think like the strategy was really sound leading to the Georgia bet in that game. Um, and whether Georgia had won or lost, and I don't feel this way about every bet I place, I was kind of content with the result no matter what. I thought I made a really solid bet in that game because I felt like the number was wrong. Um, I kind of feel pretty similarly here with Duke and North Carolina. So um, the benefit of this particular matchup is that we have previous market data to go off of and compare, right? We don't have that with Villanova and Kansas because we have two teams from the ACC, two teams from the same conference playing each other. Um, they played at Chapel Hill earlier in the season in the first meeting at Carolina. Duke closed a three-and-a-half-point road favorite. The implication there is that Duke is six-and-a-half or seven points better on a neutral. They play in the final regular season game at Cameron Indoor. Duke closes 11-and-a-half in that game, but that's like a one-off, weird, like special type of um, circumstance. Coach K's final game, all of his like star players from over the years are in attendance. Let's say like the real number of that game is like 10-and-a-half or 10, right? Because like Duke caught a ton of support given the special circumstance of that game. Even if it's 10 or 10 and a half, like again, like the implication is still Duke is six and a half or seven points better on a neutral. So here we are now 
in the final four. And the number's four on a neutral. And I understand that Carolina has been really good. They whipped Duke in that game. They got past Baylor. They got past UCLA. I agree that Carolina is playing better. I think what's lost in all of this, though, is that, like, did Duke, like, sleepwalk to get to the Final Four? Like, Duke's here also. Like, Duke has to get some credit for getting to the Final Four also. They didn't have to beat Gonzaga, but, like, they took an A-plus-plus shot from Michigan State, a team that played way, way over its head. Not only won, but covered the spread. They beat a Texas Tech team that was one of the 10 best teams in the country basically all season and the best conference in the country in the Big 12, and then took down an Arkansas team fairly easily that had beaten Gonzaga. So I give Duke credit also. So, I mean, Duke minus four to me is like a laughable point spread. That doesn't mean the Carolina can't cover or win the game or win by margin. Of course they could. The locks are on front doors and safes. There's no locks in like the sports betting world. Anything can happen. Just that I feel really comfortable with a Duke bet here because I honestly feel like the number's incorrect. So I'll be on Duke. Uh, I love Duke on Saturday night. Smart analysis there. What do you think about the over here? And this is another play that I've been considering. It's at 151. Both their previous matchups have gone over 175 in matchup number one, 154 in the second. Yeah, I think you you talk about sight lines are different. They're in the big arena. Shooting numbers might go down, but neither of these teams rely super heavily on three-point shooting. Duke is the most efficient offensive team in all of college basketball. North Carolina ranks 18th while also ranking the top 100 in terms of tempo. And then you look at both these teams in the top 100 of offensive rebounding, um, and they both make their free throws. So, do you think that could potentially be a play given that both these numbers have gone over? And this is the lowest total of the three matchups um, in terms of where it's being set. Yeah, I think like the nerves probably come into play as well here. I mean, it is just, you know, everyone knows. Just an absolutely titanic game. Bragging rights on both sides here. Um, I think it would be fair to if someone wanted to hypothesize that the players will come out tight. Like Duke came out tight, obviously, in, in the uh, the final regular season game at Cameron Indoor. Now, Carol, like Carolina had like nothing to lose in that game. I guess technically they did because that helped them make the tournament, obviously. But like, I, Carolina's got a lot to lose here, and so does Duke. Um, I think you can make a case that both teams will come out tight. This is not me advocating for the under. I think the number is like honestly perfect. I could see a scenario where it goes over or under. Um, so I'm going to stick with my side bet on Duke, and uh, you take the overall route you home. But I'm not going to have a play on the total. Right now, Duke is plus one fifty five. Uh, Kansas plus 190, Villanova plus 460, and North Carolina plus 525. Uh, who wins the national championship? Um, I think Duke will win. Um, I think we'll see Duke in Kansas. I think if you're going to take one of the longer shots, I think you'd have to take Carolina, just because Nova having to win two games without more seems pretty improbable, whereas Carolina could could potentially win two games. Um, yeah, it has to be Duke. If it's Duke-Kansas, um, Abaji, who's been Kansas's best player all season, national player of the year contender, has not really been like a plus level performer thus far in this tournament. You know, Reggie Miller has been on the call a couple of these games with Kansas playing with Dan Bonner and Kevin Harlan and uh, has said consistently, like, when's Abaji going to show up? And he was good in the second half against Miami, but so was the rest of the team in like a 47 15, like, annihilation of Miami in the second half in the Elite Eight. So I'm not saying Abaji can't be great in the big spot. He could score 30. Um, I just trust Ben Caro and Duke Stars more when it comes down to it. I hope that the national championship matchup is Duke Kansas. If it is, Duke's going to be a very small favorite. Like, that's probably going to be like Duke minus one, maybe even a pick them. So it's going to be like basically like pick the winner of the game, and I'll take Duke when it comes down to it. Um, in pressure time at the end of the game, I trust Duke's players more than I trust Kansas's players. And uh, that's how I'm going to look to play it if indeed that's the matchup we get. All right. Fun one for you, Nick, before I let you go. I know you're a wrestling fan. We see all the commentary on Twitter. I love it. I grew up on wrestling, and I think uh, where at least I grew up in the 90s, 
I think it was the Attitude Era was the absolute pinnacle of professional wrestling. Yep. Um, give me the greatest, or you can name a couple, so you don't have to stick to one intro of all time. Like like theme song or theme like song, intro, all of it, everything. Um, well, I mean, like the various Hogan entrances are all great. Real American is iconic. Uh, um, coming out to Voodoo Child by Jimi Hendrix as Hollywood Hogan is obviously absolutely iconic. The NWO original theme song, iconic. Shawn Michaels, Sexy Boy, incredible. His entrance at WrestleMania 12 um, prior to beating Bret Hart in the Iron Man match to win the then WWF championship. Um, like coming in from, from the rafters, like rappelling down. Obviously, they don't do that anymore after uh, what happened to Owen Hart tragically. But like that was, that's probably pretty great. Um, Triple H has had some really good ones over the years. Um, Rusev coming out in the tank uh, prior to facing Cena at WrestleMania was pretty awesome. Um, as far as like theme songs go, Edge just changed him his theme song, which is sad because he's heel now. But um, Metalingus, tremendous song for Edge. I mean, there there are like so many great ones, like so many under the radar ones. Uh, I'm a big New Japan Pro Wrestling fan, also, and Kenny Omega, who's one of the biggest stars in AEW. His old New Japan Pro Wrestling song was legendary, like something out of a Final Fantasy video game. He draws his inspiration from like a lot of Japanese video games, and I love that stuff. So I really liked that. I mean, I could really go on and on. There's a lot that I'm missing, and I'll kick myself for missing here, but those are some of the ones that uh, off the top of my head come to mind. Is Stone Austin, Cold, of course. Yeah, I was going to say, is Stone Cold too obvious? The glass shattering, that's obviously iconic. The, the Kurt Angle, for, for different reasons, I think, just as iconic. I think maybe mine, you mentioned all of... Uh, Undertaker, Cold. of course, is iconic. I mean, there's so many good ones. And you mentioned um, the- I never rooted for Stone Cold, though. So, I mean, like, I always okay. liked the bad guys. So, I was always cheering for Vince and The Rock uh, when during the Attitude Era against Austin. You mentioned, uh, you know, all the evolution of uh, Hulk Hogan's entrances. The Undertaker has very similar evolution from the Dead Man to uh, the Kid Rock American Badass. American to the, badass, the, the Undertaker. Yep. Uh, keep rolling limp biscuit was a epic song with the harley davidson rolling in so yep. so many good ones i just had had to bring it to you i, I went to a wrestlemania back in the day when it was at safeco field uh in seattle yeah it was one wrestlemania of the cool- 19 with brock lesnar and almost breaking his neck against kurt angle it was one of the coolest events i've ever been to such a spectacle nick uh you're the man i really appreciate you again nick is the host of you better you bet on odyssey.com weekdays three to seven eastern you can follow him on twitter at the costos C-O or K-O-S-T-O-S. Appreciate you, Nick. Thanks so much, man, for the intel, the insight, and good luck this weekend. You got it, man. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Wishing you and all your listeners minimal sweats, winning bets. The absolute very best of luck. Let's pivot over to the racetrack and talk a little NASCAR because this weekend it's the Toyota Owners 400 at Richmond Raceway and WinBet's going to be there in full force. WinBet brand ambassador Chris Long is going to be kicking it there with WinBet users. He'll also serve as the honorary pace car driver for Sunday's big race. Here to preview the event and talk about this season so far is my guy Jerry Jordan from Kicking the Tires. He's the editor there, and you can read his stuff at kickingthetires.net and follow him on Twitter at jerryjordan underscore KTT. I'm excited to chat with you because I'll be honest, I don't know a ton about NASCAR. Uh, my mom, my parents are sort of like into it, and they've been to races, and I've, I've watched bits and pieces of races every now and again, but I don't really know what I'm looking for. I don't necessarily know what I'm watching. I just sort of love the drama that comes with when the drivers get mad at each other. Set the table. We're six races into this season. What's transpired so far? I know that the cars are completely different this year. What have been the new restrictions and modifications to these cars? And how has it all played out so far through the first month of the half of the season? Well, you're right. The, the cars have already this year, and the, the modifications and restrictions have gotten some people in trouble already. Uh, Brad Keselowski is serving a, a penalty right now, 100000 uh 
well, 100.5 and uh, 10 points in his uh, championship playoffs. So you can't modify things on this new car. It's uh, it, it's it's basically put together, and the drivers go out there, and and it, if it goes out of NASCAR spec, the the penalties are very very severe. Um, we've had six different winners over six different races this year, and uh, that's uh, that's a, a pretty good start. And you talk about controversy. Beating and banging was the name of the game last weekend at, uh, at Circuit of the Americas in Austin. We've got uh, A.J. Allmendinger and Ross Chastain, who was the eventual winner. They got into each other on the final lap. We always have drama in NASCAR. And going to, going to uh, Richmond this weekend, it'll be the same thing because it's a short track. There's lots of action. Cars will be close together. Cars will get into each other. And uh, at the end of that race, somebody's going to be upset. If you gave me a top three to five in terms of driver power rankings, who's who's at the top of the sport right now? Right now, Kyle Larson isn't running as well as he should, but he's a he's a top he's the top of the sport because he's in the best equipment. Chase Elliott has been running well, but he hasn't gotten the victory lane. If you're going with the winners, uh, you have to go with uh, Ross Chastain and the new team with Trackhouse Racing, which is owned by Justin Marks and Pitbull, uh, the the singer. And um, that that kid has been on fire. He's coming off of a win. So those three drivers, one is on fire because they're winning. The other two, because of the equipment that they're in. And, uh, you know, one of being a defending champion in Kyle Larson. I'm curious, throughout the last couple of years, F1 Drive to Survive has sort of taken the Netflix world by storm. And I think it's added a ton of interest to Formula One. I'm curious if there's been any trickle-down effect to the popularity of NASCAR, where, you know, folks will say, okay, I can't make it to a, an F1 race, but you know what, there is uh, a NASCAR race in my backyard or a short trip away. I want to check that out because the highest level racing I can go see. Well, you, you know, the, the F1 stuff is great. I, I, I enjoy watching the, 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 the program. We've had that in NASCAR before. Uh, we've had, uh, you know, follow the, the drivers and, and behind the scenes stuff. And we kind of got away from it and kind of changed up the sport uh, with how we, we, we interact with fans. And I think F1 has shown NASCAR, hey, you need to get back to your roots on this stuff and get, the, get, get involved and show what's happening behind the scenes because fans really do love the inside baseball stuff that happens in the sport. F1 is a prime example. It's been great. And uh, you, we're seeing some of that. Do you bet? NASCAR and then what are the kind of the what's betting one oh one when it comes to handicapping a race? Yes, yes, I bet on I bet on NASCAR. Um we have rules in NASCAR. If you are a partner of NASCAR, like if you're a driver, a team owner, or something like that, you cannot bet on the sport. They're very strict about it. But a media member, I write a column every week. Um, and I just think it's kind of hypocritical not to bet my picks. It may be five bucks, but yes, I I, I bet you know four or five bucks on my picks every week. And I look for a driver who is running well, not necessarily the favorite driver, because the favorite driver, his odds aren't as good. You might think that Chase Elliott this weekend, according to the win bet odds, uh, is a 8.5 to 1 favorite to win. But man, it's hard to win a NASCAR race. And Chase doesn't have the best record at Richmond. So I would look down to somebody like, uh, you know, probably Denny Hamlin. Who has a? He's an eleven to one on the win bet odds. So um, you, you've got to look at those guys and see who's done really well there and who hasn't, and, and then take the odds and value and kind of play a value bet on where your money will pay off at. Richmond Raceway is known as America's premier short track. It's got that D-shaped long straightaway. What is unique about this track, and are there any drivers necessarily that maybe you know it, it caters to them a bit more? Well. Two, three drivers. I'm going to give you three drivers to watch this weekend, and they all come from Joe Gibbs Racing. That's Martin Truex Jr., Kyle 
Kyle Busch and Denny Hamlin. Those guys know how to get the, around this track. Denny Hamlin was a, an expert at it. It kind of fell away, and then Kyle Busch you know, kind of picked it up. And Martin Truex Jr. is another one that is just really good at this track. Uh, and then you've got a fourth one that comes in the mix, and he's also from Joe Gibbs Racing, and that's Christopher Bell. He loves this track. So when you're looking at the, the, the weekend, you're kind of looking at who the favorites are to watch. I have to go with the entire Joe Gibbs Racing team, but I would put Denny Hamlin on the, on the top of the list as the guy to watch to win this, this weekend. All right, if you're looking to bet it, uh, Jerry likes Denny Hamlin. You can look at Martin Truex Jr., who he also mentioned, who's won three of his past five races at Richmond and finished top five in uh, his last six times there. He is plus 900. Again, Chase Elliott, the favorite at plus 850. All right, I'm going to put you on the spot. Give me your race winner. I know you just named four. Uh, are you sticking with Hamlin? I'm sticking with Hamlin. I mean, you, you've got to stick with Hamlin. The guy knows how to get around the track, and he is due for a win. He's had a lot of bad luck you know, in last year and this year. Uh, I, I've got to stick with Denny Hamlin on, on this one. Awesome. Jerry, thank you so much for your time. Again, follow him on Twitter at Jerry Jordan underscore KTT and read his stuff at kickingthetires.net. Jerry, thanks so much. It was an honor to be on. Thank you so much. And hopefully you can do this again. Great stuff there from Jerry. Both him and Nick were tremendous. Diverse conversations. We talked NASCAR. We talked wrestling. We talked Final Four. We talked a little bit of NFL. Both of those guys uh, really insightful and hopefully helping us win some money here this weekend. I got my winning pick coming in a moment. But first, we've got some promos giving you some free money. Uh, new users on WinBet can receive $200 in uh, free bets after they make their initial qualifying deposit and place their first bet on WinBet. After that bet is settled, no matter if you win, lose, or draw, you will receive four installments of a $50 free bet. Go to winbet.com or download the WinBet app for official rules and details in order to get or take advantage of this promo offer. Then again, our secret word as we give one away each and every episode of Bet to Win. It's Final Four. Of course it is. How creative are you, Joe? Not very, but you send Final Four to WinBet's DMs on Twitter. Include your WinBet username and email, and you will get a $25 free bet. Terms and conditions apply. All right, we've won three in a row. We've come out of the basement here in March. We were one and four at one point, and we are back to 500. Looking to end the month with a winning record. I've got a couple of plays here. Only one will be my official winning pick. I know that Nick was not on Kansas. He said never Kansas. It's just he's, he's debating whether or not he's going to take Nova. I am going to take Kansas. I got it at four. It's now at four and a half. I wouldn't take it higher than that. Just because Kansas, I don't trust them to make all of their free throws down the stretch. To me... I just don't know where the scoring is going to come from with Nova. Replacing 15 and five on a team that already has a short rotation to me is a challenge. I know that Nova is going to shorten this game, but when you have a team that you're playing that does like to play up tempo and also ranks 37th in offensive rebounding, that is what Kansas is. I think it's going to be tough. Kansas is the deeper team to the more versatile team. Abaji hasn't, as Nick said, had a great tournament and they still one and one comfortably in a number of scenarios. I think this is a situation where you could see Nova hang around for a while, maybe the first half you can take them against the spread or even money line. But then what you saw against Miami a week ago where they get run out of the gym in the second half, it might not be that. I don't think it's going to be a blowout. I think Jay Wright's just too good of a coach. For my money, he's the best coach in college basketball. But you have one team who's trying to figure out how to replace 15 and five. Connor Gillespie, awesome player. Clutch as they come. Not some dude who's going to put up Jimmer Ferdet or 
Seth or Steph Curry type numbers in the tournament and put the team on his back. He hasn't shot the ball well this tournament. His last three games, he's been under 40% shooting from the field. His last two games, he's only got 18 points combined. Only took six shots in general against Houston in 36 minutes. You know that volume will increase without Justin Moore. I just don't know if they have enough to replace him. So I am going to take Kansas. I got it at minus four. I would take the minus four and a half. I would probably stop there if it got to five or more. Um, and then my best bet, talked about it with uh, with Nick as well. I'm taking Duke and North Carolina over 151. The previous two matchups uh, between these two teams have been 175 and 154. Duke is number one offensive efficiency and North Carolina is top 100 in pace. And, and what I love about this, this matchup in terms of the over, I understand teams being tight. I understand that there's going to be nerves in the final four. But what I love about these two teams as it pertains to the over is neither team relies heavily in three-point shooting. Nowhere near, I mean, 200 and below in terms of frequency of three-point shots. Um, and I think that's huge here. And both teams are, are standout you know, in terms of offensive rebounding. So I think that helps a lot. When you can get points in the paint and you're not having to settle for three-point jumper after three-point jumper, um, I think that helps the over. So I'm going to take the over of 151. Like Nick said, it's a really sharp line. Um but I do think this thing goes over. So that is my winning pick, um, but I also like Kansas minus four. That's going to do it here for this Thursday on Bet to Win. I wish you luck with your bets. I wish myself luck with my member. Remember this weekend, it could go poorly. Again, survival is the name of the game. Uh, we hope you have a good weekend. We'll see you on the other side to preview the national championship. My guy, Tim Murray from VEASAN, is going to be joining us on Monday. We can't wait for it. We'll see you next time right here on Bet to Win. Bet to Win.